Welcome to The Human Condition with Lisa Gregory. My guest today is Deidre Norris, who created It's a Blessing to Be a Blessing out of Hagerstown, Maryland. Deidre has made it her life's mission to beat the hungry, including the homeless. Those who know her call her Mama D, and she has proven herself to be a true advocate for those in need. Her motto is, people need to eat. Tell our listeners, what is It's a Blessing to Be a Blessing, and, and how does it work, Deidre? It's a Blessing to Be a Blessing um, is a nonprofit organization um, that was started almost six years ago. And what we do, we have a multifaceted things that we do. We started out geared toward the homeless and feeding them and providing them with hygiene and clothing. That didn't last long. We actually help anyone whether you're homeless, elderly, um, food insecure, low income, high income, it doesn't matter. Um, We have multiple resources that we provide to everyone in our community who is in need. We have a variety of resources, so it just all depends on what that particular person or family is in need of. Why did you want to branch out like that? Because I could not determine who was homeless or who was really in need. So I did not want to exclude anyone. Um, So it only lasted maybe three months that it was actually for the homeless. You had told me a really interesting story, and I think I used it as the lead for the article I wrote on you, how this sort of all began. Um, I think you ran into a homeless person and you were coming out of the library. Could you tell our, our listeners that story? Yes. It was one evening, like around eight. And I walked outside, and a gentleman, a homeless gentleman, had asked me for something to eat. And so um, I was like, okay. I said, you stay right here, and I'll go get you something to eat. He didn't ask me for money or anything. He asked me for food. So I went up to Sheets, and I just got him a sandwich, a sub, and chips, you know, a drink. And I think I picked up some fruit and cookies or something, too. And I went back, and I gave it to him. And he was very appreciative and thankful, and I said, no problem. The following week, the same man asked me. He didn't remember me, but I definitely remembered him. And um, he asked me again for some food. And I said, do you remember me? And he's like, no, ma'am. And I was like, okay. He's like, I'm just really hungry. So I said, okay. So on the way to Sheets to get him something to eat again, in my spirit, I couldn't just help him. And I'm like, okay, there, there was other homeless around, a couple other around the library. So I decided to pick up like five different meals um, from Sheets. And so I gave them to him, and then I passed the rest of them out. Um, and then I went, you know, went back home and, and everything. For two weeks after that, it's laid on my spirit about this man. And I'm like, okay, I haven't been back to the library. I wonder if this man is still there and all the other people. And so I was going through my own health crisis at the time. And I was just like, there's no way I can probably afford this, but it's really tugging on my spirit. Hmm. And so um, I let it go for like another week or two. And then I made up some sandwiches and chips and stuff. And I went around and passed it out to like 10 people. And after that, it was, it was <laughs> done. Um, I was like trying to come up with 
clicking easy menus, and I started out doing it once a week. Then it went to twice a week, and I was just driving around town with different stuff in the back of my car, um, passing out food to people. And one particular man asked me, he said, why do you do this? And I said, because it's a blessing to be a blessing. And at the moment that I said it, it felt like an aha moment. Mm-hmm. And I felt the spirit because I am a believer. And I felt like God was telling me this is what it is. So that kind of worked for you, didn't it? I mean, was it sort of combining two of your passions, helping others and then um, cooking? Because you're, you're an excellent cook. Thank you. And yes, and and actually how my catering started was going, it all came in tandem kind of with each other. Um, going through my illness, um, I was not able to work and I needed to have some income. And so I just started cooking and selling plates and then I went and got my license and and. So it just all, you know, bloomed from there, Um, word of mouth and everything. And that was how I've been able, was able at that time to support my family. So um, going through the crisis, my health crisis and started cooking, selling dinners and catering to provide for my family and then turned around and started feeding people who were in need. It just all went hand in hand all around the same time. It really did, didn't it? I I love it when it works out like that. I wanted to ask you too about your illness because you've got a lot on your plate, no pun intended. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, you've really faced some some battles. And what I found interesting about your story was that you, you were telling me and you just referenced it, I think, that you sort of in you were in some dark days there. And this sort of feeding and doing for others sort of helped you. Do you want to, you want to tell our listeners about that? Yes, that is true. Um, when this all started, I prayed and I was like, okay, I feel God that you're telling me that this is my purpose, but you know what I'm going through health wise and financially. So I need you to be able to make a way, um, for me to, you know, do your will. And so it became a thing where I would go to treatments. But that would, instead of going home and resting after treatments, I would get a burst of energy and I would cook and then go pass out. And it started becoming a thing where it gave me strength as they thought that I was giving them strength. And so it still to this day is that I am in remission. I am healed from that illness, from thyroid cancer, but I still suffer greatly from fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis and CRPS. It's a chronic illness where you cannot, you have nerve um, function in your legs and you can't walk. Sometimes I wake up, I can't walk at all. Um, The rheumatoid arthritis is really hard on my joints. Um, Fibromyalgia, I'm in constant pain. I have to walk with a cane now. It's going to progress to where I use a cane. Um, outside of the home, and sometimes I have to use a rollator walker. Um, I can't walk long distance, but I make it work. It's a blessing gets me out of my bed, even when I should be wow. in the bed. I refuse to allow that to happen. So it's a blessing, and serving my community in any way that I can 
not only helps save other people, it saves myself. So you're going to keep going as long as you can with this then? Until I close my eyes for the final time. You also have plans, though, and I don't know if those have changed, but when I interviewed you the last time, you want to do more with this. Is that correct? And do you want to talk about that? Yes, I definitely would love to do more. Um, Right now, It's a Blessing is housed out of my home. I have a blessing pantry where um, people who need food, families, individuals, different situations, they call and we're kind of like a food bank, but we're not through the Maryland Food Bank. We're all personal donations and everything that I can personally put in financially and um, what we can receive um, from the kindness of others. Um, We have a clothing closet. Um, We would love to be able to expand and have our own building, um, even if it's a storefront. Um, But we would love to have our own building to where we can have room to actually have people come sit down and eat, places for them to take a shower, to wash their clothes. We would love to have a day resource center. We would love to be able to purchase and have multiple shelters for families, elderly, veterans, um, young families, um, so much that we want to do. We definitely want to do a Blessing Cafe. Um, That is like one of the biggest things that I pray about daily um, is to be able to do a Blessing Cafe. But this would be a restaurant that anyone can come in. The only catch is that when someone comes into the restaurant, we would have like maybe a cork board where if someone pays for their meal, they also can be a blessing to someone else, not even knowing who it is. And they will put the sticky note or the token and um, up there, and it'll be different menu items with different places that people could come in and they just take that off the board or where, how are we do it? and bring it to the counter, order their food, and they sit down with everyone else. Um, That is my dream. I pray for that daily because I don't want to exclude anyone, but it also gives people the chance to come back and be a blessing to other people. And then I would love to be able to employ the elderly, you know, to get them out of the house, depending on their age. They can be a hostess or something, you know. I would love to be able to employ the homeless and and get them some job training and and stuff to get them back on their feet. Young people um, who who need a job to teach them some responsibilities and, and stuff. So I have so many things that we would love to do through It's a Blessing to be able to help our community more. Um, but they are some of the small things of the long list <laughs> that I would love to do. Yeah. And, you know, the community has really embraced you. Um, I can see people stepping in and, and offering support and sort of helping you do some of these things, can't you? Um, yes. People want to be able to give back. They just don't know how. So I, I do believe that um, people in the community have embraced it's a blessing, and the ones who know about us and I know about us, they have embraced us, and there's ones that want to help, but there is also a lot of red tape with what we as an organization do. 
um, there's a lot of red tape within the city and um, the stigma right. on helping um, the homeless or um, people in need. So um, that is a catch-22, you would, you could say. Um, but I think overall, there is great um, help out there. And people that really would back us, um, if we um, can, you know, do future endeavors and, and open up a resource center or a blessing cafe, and I, I do believe that we would have the support. How many people do you think you're feeding like a year? Have you ever sat down and crunched oh, wow. the numbers on any of that? I actually feed seven days a week. Um, I feed publicly, scheduled publicly every Thursday. And them numbers vary between 75 and 250 people. Wow. Every Thursday. But daily, I can feed between 10 people, 30 people, sometimes six people. It just all depends on the need. Also, we do pop-up feedings. So um, that could be if someone donates or organization donates, um, a family calls me and wants to donate, or honestly, if I wake up that day and my work schedule, because I actually work more than just for It's a Blessing. Um, I'm still a volunteer employee. I don't get paid, but I work um, two other jobs as well that is paid. And mm. so if I have time in my schedule, which I make time for It's a Blessing, if I feel like I, I want to make some spaghetti or something, I can go around that day alone at lunchtime and feed 40 people, 45, 50 people. And then I turn around and feed people in the evening time as well. The numbers do vary. So it's kind of hard to give you um, an estimate, a good estimate on how many people we feed a year. But I promise you it's in the thousands. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it at all. <laughs> now, you have people... Um, you were talking about feeding people out of your home. If they contact you beforehand, they can come by and pick up a meal, right? Is that is that how that works? Yes. Every evening, um, I try to do an evening feeding from my home from 5 to 8, 5 to 7.30, um, sometimes 6 to 7.30. It just all depends because, like I said, I work three different jobs here. Um, so what they do is they'll contact me, most of them, who come daily, they will contact me probably mid-morning, early afternoon, and they call me Mama D. So they'll say, they'll text me, they'll call me, they'll go to the library, inbox me. However they can communicate to get to me, they will do that. And they will um, say, Mama D, are you feeding this evening? And I'll tell them yes or no. Um, sometimes people ask what the menu is. Um, sometimes they don't. They'll just say, can I get... Can I get on the list? And I'll say, yes, be at my home at such and such time. If they're a new person, then I give them, you know, kind of, I do kind of have some rules mm -hmm. um, to it. Um, so I do have a slight vetting because it is in my home. Mm -hmm. So in the evening time, you know, I have to be safe. Um, but um, I, I am respected and I've never had any issues. And I have been doing this for years. So I haven't had any issues with anyone coming to my home to pick up anything. Um, so they will contact me, and I will um, have their food ready for them when they come. Now, I will tell you, normally, um, the evening feeding is 85% of the time is strictly homeless 
active homeless that live on the street. Mm. So every now and then I get um, a family that is like working poor in between food stamps or the elderly that is, you know, doesn't get enough in their um, social security or whatnot. So that might happen a couple times a week, but normally every day, um, 85% of the people that I feed in the evening is active homeless. What do you wish society could understand about these people that, I guess, for lack of a better word, that are marginalized? I wish that society would understand that they need to put themselves in their shoes because they might be one paycheck away from that. Or they might have a family member that's in that same situation. You never know what's going to happen to you. It only takes one crisis. It only takes one of your children getting sick, and you have to miss days from work. And that means your check is short. And then you're trying to, as they say, rob Peter to pay Paul and trying to make ends meet, and you cannot do it. Or a family member gets sick, and that's that income that is gone. So people look at it, and I get this all the time, and they say, well, why can't they take care of themselves? Why can't they feed themselves? Well, there's a lot of different situations on why, and it's definitely not drugs and alcohol. There's a lot more to it than that. It's a lot more to it than that. And that is a stigma. And people say, oh, well, they're drug addicts. They're alcoholics. Not all of them. I I can attest to that. There are plenty of people that I have said that have sports, but they have been laid off. And then bills catch up to them. And then they're below. They're below Mm -hmm. the water. Mm -hmm. Um, I've said I have helped and have fed and got phone calls from all walks of life. So I, I really want to tell the listeners that open up your heart, put yourself in their shoes just for one moment, or it, it could be your family member. It could be someone that you go to church with. It could be your neighbor that you just don't know is really struggling. What about the elderly? I have so many elderly clients that call me on a regular because either they don't have family, their family is around but don't help them, or they have family that can't even help themselves, so they can't help them, and they don't get that much in their Social Security. It goes all to their livelihood, but the stuff that they need as far as food and hygiene and just personal care items, they can't get. We have a lot to be grateful for, those of us that don't have to worry about our next meal, don't we? Yes, yes, definitely. I mean, I tell people you don't always have to have filet mignon or ribs or seafood or something expensive. Be thankful if you're eating a cup of noodles because I promise you there is someone who wished they had that or someone who wished they had a can of baked beans or someone who wished they had that salad that you're like, I don't want to eat this, you know? Right, right. It, it gives you a totally different perspective, um, doesn't it? Has there has there been situations that you that really surprised or, or shocked you, the, the people that are in need or that come to you? Um, yes, and I'm going to be very honest with you. I do deal with people who come to a blessing for help. Some people have an entitlement issue. Hmm. I have people who contact the Blessing Pantry or contact us for resources, and they feel entitled. They want um, a certain item. They want you to do a certain thing. And when you're trying to help them, 
but also we want to help them, but have them help themselves. Hmm. Hmm. So we we don't want to just give you a hand out. We want to give you a hand up. So we question. We ask them questions. We try to help them get to other resources and to help themselves. And so we do have, on a slight occasion, someone will call for the Blessing Pantry, and they will ask for a certain item that, for example, they'll call and say, do you have steak? Everybody wants steak. And it's like, this just happened very recently. And I was like, um, we know her. <laughs> I was baffled. I was taken back. This shocked me. And I was like, no, but I I have plenty of other things that I will give you to make a meal. And, you know, some people feel that they want certain things. Um, and when you have blessing pantries or food banks or blessing boxes, it's just for emergencies. It's not to sustain you for weeks or months, you know, for a month or a week or weeks. It's supposed to be an emergency situation. And so that's why we try to help you figure out how you can help yourself, whether it be employment, trying to get food stamps, or managing your money or food stamps correctly. I also help people with that. I'll teach them how to value shop. I'll help them with menus. Um, to be food prepped, I do all of that as well. So I, I come across that a lot, so slightly a lot lately with entitlements, mm-hmm. and then also with people pride issues. So it's, it's both ends of the spectrum: entitlement, and then people prideful who call you because they need help but don't know how to ask for the help. It must be kind of heartbreaking sometimes. Yes. And and I understand that, and so it's about how you um, work with them and everything. And once they, um, you, you talk to them, you can fill them out for the most part, and um, and everything. And and they're receptive to it. They open up, and they're great. A lot more is grateful than not, you know. And that's good to hear. And I think it's important for people to know that. Has there been uh, relationships or situations that? you've really felt like this is why I do this people that have come across your, your path or come, you've been able to help in certain ways that stand out for you. Yes. Um, this past winter, um, we was able to help a young couple. Um, they had, they come to our weekly feedings and, um, it was, we were expecting some snow and they called me and they said, mama D please, we're in a tent, but we've been, really struggling with the cold and the snow is coming. Mm. And I said, okay. I was like, let me see what I can do. So I use social media for the good. Um, So I got on our Facebook page and my personal Facebook page, and I just put it out to the community. And I was able to get them in a room for up to a week. And by doing that, they was able to clean themselves up and get some rest, and they both found jobs. Wow. In that week. That's great. Sometimes it just, you just need that little push, don't you? Right. And that's what they said to me. They said, Mama D, you know, I talked to them. I said, okay, it's getting ready to snow, you know, and I'm going to try to get you this room for one day, two days, you know. I said, but I can't promise you. But in the meantime, while you're in here and it's snowing, 
here's some newspapers. You have free Wi-Fi at the hotel. Get online. You take advantage of this, not just lay and watch TV. Enjoy all that as well, but look for some work. you got a clear mind. Look for some work and see what we can get out of this week. And both of them found jobs. Well, that must be incredibly rewarding for you. Very much so, Lisa. And I was just so thankful to our community partners because without them, we wouldn't have been able to help this couple. And because it's a blessing, we are we don't get funding from the city or the state. Um, so we are donation-based grassroots organization. So whatever we personally of our own money don't put in, like from my catering, um, and I'm also a property manager, so um, we take the donations that is given to us and we put them strictly right back into our community and to different programs and to helping. So when they called me excited and said, and I said, this is what the blessing is about. So that's just one. We've had plenty of success stories. Um, we've um, helped people who have been homeless underneath the bridges. Um, we help them with furniture because we have a furniture ministry as well. So we try to help people who are transitioning, whether it be homeless or even if you had a home and you lost it and, you know, you were in a hotel homeless or situation or um, you're a single parent or and you just need furniture for your kids. If we can match up a donor with them, that's what we will do. Well, you know, when I went to the community feeding, um, I was really surprised at the number of of families and little kids. They weren't in school. They were younger than that. Um, mm-hmm. That that must be really um, heartbreaking to see. Is that um, common? Uh, do you see a lot of, of the little ones? Yes, mm-hmm. um, we do see a lot of the little ones. We have a lot of hotel homeless families, and that's one of the reasons why we started a hotel homeless program. And basically, um, there's a lot of families with younger kids who live in hotels um, because they either, you know, face eviction, of course, and that's all they can afford right now, or they're placed there through an agency. And so we and try to invite them to come to feedings so they can get something to eat. And then I also deliver food to them, um, especially the ones who have small children. So it's it's a lot of kids. I, I just can't stress that enough. And it's very, you know, sad to see the kids hungry. I have children come knock on my door daily. Wow. For food. Wow. And what, what ages are we talking about here? Five years old and up. Wow. They come and knock on your door. Yes. Wow. They come and knock on my door every single day. A couple times a day, some of them. And they'll say, Mama D, they want sandwiches, hot food, snacks, water. A lot of kids. <laughs> wow. And you feed them. Yes. Absolutely. Can you imagine your life without this? What do you think it would look no. like? What would it look like? It's a blessing. Well, <laughs> in my <laughs> dreams, <laughs> um, it's a blessing is my life. But in my dreams, um, I mean, I had a life before it's a blessing. Um, and it's a blessing has become my life. Um, without it's a blessing, I really don't know where I would be. But if I could run It's a Blessing and 
and be able to travel and, you know, maybe go on a vacation um, <laughs> and something like that, you know, find companionship, then that would be great. But I will always, no matter where I go in life, whether I, if I ever leave Hagerstown, it's a blessing will go with me. Hmm. I will start, it's a blessing wherever I'm at. I would like to thank my guests for joining me today on The Human Condition with Lisa Gregory. And thank you, the listener, for joining us today. If you would like to know more about the show, please visit my website at thehumanconditionpodcast.com. 